We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. The thing that I fought tooth and nail to bring my son into is Dungeons and Dragons. That is the ultimate solution to parenthood. I'm Alexis Ohanian. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. I talked to Rain Wilson. I wanted to learn more about Rain's advice to play D&D with your kids. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. together an academic pop culture symposium so true we are the pop culture professors smart people dumb topics you know that's right you know that's absolutely gosh darn right and you can't tell but caitlin is in full pop culture professor gear today that's right i am caitlin pizzagai and i'm wearing a ninja turtles shirt from old navy with a blazer Mm -hmm. it's a little on the nose for a pop culture professor outfit but Mm -hmm. i'm going with it and I, Lauren Brickman, am in my pajamas still, even though I've already taught <laughs> three classes today. I did have a very professorial sweater on for most of the day on top of my pajamas. So I think I pulled it off. I don't think anyone knew. We'll Here's have to hoping. pull the students later. <laughs> we'll any- put that at the uh, feedback form at the end of the semester. I'm waiting for that day when because I always leave like a blank spot in any like questionnaire I have them fill out. Sure. There's always like a is there anything else a professor should know or anything you want to say? I'm waiting for the day when one of them is like, we need to talk about <laughs> we need to talk about just the look. You know, I'm waiting for it. Do they still have rate my professor and the chili and the chili pepper? They do. I mean, maybe they put in the comments like you almost got a chili pepper, but <laughs> you were clearly wearing the clothes you slept in. So I, you know, I've never gotten one of those. I did have, I have gotten a couple of like, she's weird as hell, but stick it out. It's worth it. She's fun. You know, there's some, you know, some of those QCC reviews, um, you know, they come in hot, but they end sweet. (laughs) Hey, that's Queens. That's just Queens. That's just Queens life. So clearly, if you haven't been able to figure it out, we are actual college professors and comedians. It's a bizarre combination, but it happens. It's true. And we love to talk about standing. So Lauren, do you want to explain what standing is? Every moment of every day, it's all I want to be talking about. (laughs) Um, Standing is being an obsessive fan of something or someone or someone's. And we really, we really do push the bounds of what it can mean here. Caitlin, what are you standing this week? 
Well, you know, my stands of the week lately have been pretty good. Mm -hmm. They've been pop culture related. One mm -hmm. was even a book. Wow. Um, so I decided to make the listeners irate once again by choosing <laughs> something totally random. Okay. And this time I'm going with Jolly Joe's. It's a, a candy that is a subset of Mike and Ike's. Uh, it is the all grape. <laughs> No, Mike and Ike's. The no. all great Mike and Ike's. Uh, they used to just be called Jolly Joes, and you could buy them at Blockbuster. Now oh they God. are forced to acknowledge that they are part of Mike and Ike's. I guess people just won't <gasps> gravitate towards the Jolly Joe anymore well, on yeah, its why own. Why would they? Because they're delicious. Uh, oh. My husband bought them for me because we had a long talk. Uh, about what our favorite candies were, because some listeners may remember he recently bought 20 pounds of sour mm -hmm. candy. Mm hmm. Um, so he bought me two boxes of Jolly Joes. Caitlin, I, I just want to say, like, as your friend and as someone who talks to you more hours of the day than I don't talk to you, sure. if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm concerned. Are you okay? Like, Jolly Joes? Really? You know, it's a nostalgia thing because okay. I liked them. I think I just liked them because they were purple as a kid. Mm, I didn't even okay. know they were great. I don't know that I would choose them in a blind taste test okay. against other things if we were to do a TikTok on this. Okay. But the nostalgia factor is high. And I do like that they're all purple. Okay. Okay. You know what? That's enough for me to stop worrying. That's enough for me to stop worrying. All right. Well, what what do I have to be worried about you this week? What are you standing? Okay. Well, it is a piece of <laughs> pop culture, but... Okay, good. That stays on topic of the show. <sighs> but okay, I'm going to be honest. You, everyone here knows that we are diehard, dedicated Grey's Anatomy fans. True. In it... In it to the bitter end. But I'll be honest, it has been a rough spring season. This this back half has been really hard. Very difficult. And I have been waxing poetic for a better, simpler time in the Grey's verse. And I was thinking about, like, when was I most happy? And I was thinking a lot about how much I just I miss Addison Montgomery. And wow. so... I'm deep into a private practice rewatch now, and I am standing hard. I am falling back in love with that show, with those characters. And Christopher Vernoff, who I'm sure is listening to this podcast and then mm -hmm. to spite us is then going home <laughs> and writing episodes against uh, us because I'm, I'm I can only imagine that this season has been a direct declaration of war against this podcast. Uh, but Krista... Please, 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 please bring some of those folks back to bring them to Seattle. I want to see some of those characters. I want to have a Tay Diggs as Sam Bennett cameo. Mm -hmm. I want to have, uh, you know, Cooper and Charlotte. I just I want to I want to see my friends. Yeah. And if not, then I need Amelia to address the fact that <laughs> no one from that part of her life still calls her that they all like what did she do how did she tori spelling herself out of an invitation to that group chat you know what i'm saying well she doesn't really talk to her sisters and she didn't really talk to her brother for a large part of uh their adult lives so that's kind of par for the course for amelia yeah but the private practice crew they were the family that she always wanted you know they filled a void that she never had before i don't really know because i've actually never finished private practice Wow. Which I've been thinking I need to do. Yeah. And I think it's because when it first aired, I liked it, but I didn't feel a deep connection. And, you know, back mm -hmm. then, what was that craze? Season six, seven? I was like, I don't need another show. I got this amazing yeah. show. But now sure. we're doing, as your friend Christina in our Grey's chat called it, Black Box Theater with mm -hmm. Teddy. <laughs> and I 
I regret being so cavalier before. Yeah, yeah. No, this is the time. If you haven't done a deep dive into private practice, now's the time. But, you know, after 17 seasons, Grace might be starting to fail us. But, you know, who never fails us? Who we always stand? Achilles Stamatalaki. Welcome! Yes! Hello. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Oh, at last. With all the grays and private practice talks, so my girlfriend mm-hmm. like loves those shows and is, in yes. fact, watching okay. Grey's Anatomy right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, I feel that this is going to be a great episode. This is going to be a great episode. <laughs> yeah, but I've, I've never fully watched an episode front to back or like paid attention enough uh, mm-hmm. to it, but I'll hear little snippets of... So like all the names that you, you two mentioned were like, yep, that's right. a name I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but like I wouldn't be able to like match faces to names and anything like yeah. that. Yeah. You probably just recognize their names from being screamed in the middle of the night as she's being tormented um, by mm-hmm. the most recent episode. Right. You know, we do dream of doing a live stream dedicated to Grey's and it just occurred to me, we need to have a segment, Significant Others of Grey's Fans and What They Think. <laughs> because my husband did watch it over my shoulder once and he was like, why are they taking shots while eating cheeseburgers sitting down for a meal? And it's like, look, that's what they do. Those are the types of questions I have exactly yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, we have a we have a very active Grey's Anatomy uh, telegram group chat made specifically because one of my best friend's husband got really into it. She was like, I can't talk to him about this. I need you to create a space for him to talk about this show. Right. And her voice would be necessary on the panel because mm-hmm. we need female significant others as well as males. It's yeah. not about gender. It's Mm-mm. about this curious thing of not watching Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> It's about the anti-fandom, although it's not really anti. It's just like a passive. Adjacent. (laughs) Yeah. I know like just little tiny facts about each each person. Um, Like one of the doctors is a drunk. And I feel like anytime I walk by is like always talking about how he's. I guess this is one of the older. um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dr. Weber. You're right, though. Dr. Weber, if he was an improviser, plays game the hardest because he does enter every scene being like, so just as a reminder, I'm a recovered alcoholic. I used to be the chief. I'm not anymore. I have issues with that. I have remarried. <laughs> and go. Here's here's my who, what, where. Every yeah, and he time does name everyone. He's like, correct. Yeah. Like, he, he will just like be like, yeah, reminder what everyone's name is in the scene. And that's why he's still there 17 yes. seasons later. But shockingly, today's episode is not actually about Grey's Anatomy. Which is weird. Which is weird. But uh, today Very. we're actually talking <laughs> criminals we root for. Oh. Yes, this is inspired by the show Achilles is writing for on Audible called Hit Job, where Kiki Palmer takes a job as an administrative assistant at a company with the motto, do bad things for good reasons. So mm-hmm. we love that motto. So we wanted to think about other people that, you know, maybe they're on the wrong side of the law, technically, but we still love them. <laughs> <laughs> The lovable criminal. Mm-hmm. The lovable criminal. There are plenty of those people out there. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. so many. It was surprising. Putting together this week's episode, I was like, I love so many criminals on TV and in movies. I love mm-hmm. them. But then we love the detectives that find them. We yeah. do. We'll never know peace. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part is, do you remember like five or six years ago, those um, inmates escaped a New York prison and they were on the run? Mm-hmm. And I found myself being like, Go run, and then you're like, they murdered people. (laughs) It's like, oh, they beat the system. I guess they should maybe not (laughs) get away, but something in your brain is just like, run, get out of here. (laughs) 
Amazing. Well, we always like to let our audience know what our credentials are to speak on a topic. Uh, Caitlin, what are your criminals we root for credits? My criminal that I rooted for the most was my next door neighbor who I've decided not to name, (laughs) but I used to live next door to him for six years, and I believe he was an important member of some Jersey City crime family. At first, this was kind of a joke to me because Mm -hmm. they would call his name, which is it's a beautiful name. Mm -hmm. And he would come down and seem to just like regulate situations, fights that were happening, things. And it was sort of like, oh, he's like a crime boss. I was like Mm -hmm. kidding. But then a friend had a birthday party at a nearby bar and I started talking to someone else outside of the party that was a local, Mm -hmm. like hasn't grown up in that neighborhood. And I was like, you know, I live next to this. Do you, this is crazy, but do you, do you know anything? He's like, oh, um, I don't want to talk about that, though. And I was like, oh, oh well, come on. Like, it's funny. that He's like, no, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. He, and uh, a lovable man. He was uh, raising an adult son with special needs. Oh, he uh, took an old television I had and uh, nothing but the best to say about this this person who I will not name for fear. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Love you. I, I was thinking about it and I think, you know, my freshman year of college, you get to college and you're like, you're trying to figure out who your creative partners are going to be. And I zeroed in on this guy in my acting class. And the very first like character I ever wrote was this like old timey broad who was like... Uh, of indeterminate age and we like came up with these characters that were like a husband and wife cabaret act and um he didn't end up making it past i think he ended up leaving at maybe the first semester i don't remember he didn't we didn't end up graduating together he was a very complicated young man (laughs) um but one of the first red flags that maybe this was not a person uh to invest in was i found out he was banned for life from ebay (laughs) because he got caught in a scam where he was going to like department stores and getting samples just to get the like um logos off of like off of different products and then he was like steaming the logos off and repurposing um them and like using these fancy logos on like and, and trying to pretend he was selling like designer earrings that were actually like bulk wholesale earrings and anyways he and his brother got caught after making seemingly quite a bit of money but i really rooted for him like i really like when he would tell you bits and pieces of the different grifts he was running or scams you were i never my, my my sense of self-preservation never kicked in and i was never like oh this is someone you shouldn't hang out with i always i was instead always like I hope he gets away with it. Like, I hope, I don't know. He had this amazing superpower of getting everyone around him to just be like, <laughs> you crazy guy, do it. I don't know. He was like the, like a low grade Firefest guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where like, maybe it's like, he's, it's like, we, we all know this is a scam, but he's like, so kind of like charismatic and it's like, he believes in it. So why don't we, yeah, like, let's, yeah. let's be all on board with this eBay scam. Oh, and I will never forget. He, one of the guys in our class that he was friendly with he I overheard them talking and I, I think he was like hatching a new plan and he was trying to get this other guy involved. And the other guy walks away and he looks at me and he goes, uh, he's got no idea. He's got no idea. And I was just like, oh, you're going to set him up like this kid's about to get set up for your bad oh, deeds. No. But again, was like, hope you pull it off. <laughs> like I don't I don't know. Uh, Achilles, other than writing for hate job, what are your credentials? 
I mean, I I have been in quarantine watching a lot of true crime stuff. I mean, that yes. is like, yes. uh, I don't know why that is the thing I'm gravitating to. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, what's the, what's the most relaxing thing we can watch right now? Oh, <laughs> a, a deep dive into this uh, horrible murder. Yeah. And I wouldn't say, I don't know if I'm like rooting for those criminals, yeah. but usually the, like, the, the subjects are like people who are innocent who have been accused wrongly so like right, they may have right, had a yeah, criminal right, past right, right. but like they didn't do this crime you know um <laughs> so i think that's my I, i've had a, a, a year of um cultivating my expertise for yeah c- criminals there, in there's that basically way. like a zodiac of what your go-to quarantine comfort mm-hmm. <laughs> has been like mine has been obsessively re-watching real housewives um and some classic sitcom stuff as well everyone seems to have their own go-to thing of like what has made things bearable. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I think we've proven that we're all ready to root for some criminals today. Caitlin, I think think it's time to play our first game. Yeah. I mean, this game, let me tell you, we've come up with a lot of great titles for games, Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think anything tops this. This... This is a game called Sopranos or Sopran... No! You know that The Sopranos has a legendary cast, but also broke many young actors in their first or second appearance. Absolutely amazing guest stars. Achilles, I'm going to give you an actor, and you're going to tell me if they were Sopranos, they were on the show The Sopranos, or Sopran... No, they were not. (laughs) Got it. I think I got it. A little bit, yeah, complicated rules, but uh, Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm, I got mm -hmm. it. All right. Uh, Okay. All right, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan, huh? I mean, he he had he was on The Wire, which is an HBO mm-hmm. show. Um, I'm trying to think what context he would have been on The Sopranos. I like this, showing your work, showing mm-hmm. your work. I feel like he wouldn't have been friends with Tony Soprano's kid, or maybe he was. Who knows? My my instinct is Soprano. But I wouldn't be surprised of if the answer is Sopranos. It's Sopranos, and it's a hard one to start with because he played in a flashback Tony's childhood bully. Oh, uh-huh. I don't even remember that episode. Season one, Tracy Ellis Ross. <laughs> Tracy Ellis Ross. Again, a person I wouldn't like... She's not the first person I think of when I think of like, <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. She was in She, she was in. Sopranos. What if she was the first actor you thought of when you thought of the Sopranos? <laughs> oh, yeah, she. she uh, let's see. Hmm. You know, th- this is like she is such a like a change up from the show that I'm going to go mm-hmm. Sopran- Sopranos. Soprano. Oh, she God. wasn't in it. But she would have been. She would have been great. In it. She would have been. Honestly, now that we're talking about it, they really fucked up. Yeah. they really fucked she, up. She tested for Tony, but it just they, they went. <laughs> I think she way. could if if they did Sopranos now, she could be like mm-hmm. Dr. Melfi. She could be like <gasps> oh the yeah, wow. that'd be great a good call. recast, right? Mm-hmm. Recall. Mm-hmm. All right, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Hmm. Uh, formerly Stephanie Germanata. Right, mm-hmm. that's her last name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Italian heritage. Yeah, um, Stephanie with an I, F. I, I wonder if there was like a scene in The Sopranos where it was like where where she's like not acting, but she's like singing. 
Mm. As a way, so I wonder if there was like a scene where it's like, oh yeah, like Tony and the gang go to go to a bar and it's an open mic and there, there happens to be a young singer there who's like kind of in the background. So I'm going to say Sopranos that she did make an appearance. You're right, in a it is Sopranos, scene. but she played AJ's friend. Oh. <laughs> Didn't make use of that at all. I mean, no, they didn't. They never knew she could sing. <laughs> Multi-talented. No, but she, she, you could see that best actress nomination in the sparkle of her eye in her scenes with Robert Eiler. <laughs> Mark Cuban. <laughs> Mark Cuban. Um, I'm guessing like would have played himself uh, <laughs> if he did appear on The Sopranos. I imagine if, if like, if he were on The Sopranos, it would be, like, he's playing himself, and it's, like, they're going to, like, a New Jersey Nets game, and he happens to <laughs> mm-hmm. be there because, yeah. like, they're playing the Mavericks or something like that. Um, and it's one of those things where it's, like, give him one line so he doesn't have to act. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, he only did this because um, we told him he could do a scene with James Gandolfini. One line, yeah, that, like... <laughs> So let's go Sopranos. Uh, Sopranos, yes, not Sopranos, no. <laughs> He's a Soprano, but I love that scene. That's a great idea. <laughs> That's what I would have pitched if... if. <laughs> Once again, they missed out. They were wrong for not doing your idea. I mean, right. yeah, they, sh- they should have done my, my idea. Yeah, Therese, Teresa Judice. Um, from uh, Real Housewives, right? Of New mm-hmm. Jersey, yes. This is another name I've... I've um, Right. <laughs> Absorbed. Your girlfriend, uh, a genius. Yes. <laughs> That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> um, I feel like she would have been like an extra or something like that. Like she did. <laughs> she was like on the, the side of the road or something like that. Like uh, not as a dead body, just like as, you know, like they're, they're hanging out at their whatever, like <laughs> on their street corner. And then she's just there. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to go Sopranos for her. That's correct. Correct. Soprano. I actually have a hot theory that Teresa's never heard of the Sopranos. (laughs) (laughs) After doing a full rewatch of Real Housewives of New Jersey, which she is on every single episode, I feel like I know her character very well. And it's just not something she's aware of. It's like, what's that? It's like, oh, it's on HBO. Uh, It's like, what is HBO? What is that? I don't like that. I don't like when that little box comes alive. <laughs> I hate the TV. Yeah, when the yeah when the the snow like the snow thing comes on, it's like yeah, the yeah, TV's yeah. broken. I turn it off, so it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I called Joe. I called Joe. <laughs> I love it. I also could see Teresa, someone like being like, "Oh, it's offensive to Italians," and her being like, "Can't watch it." She Can't did watch no it. investigation after that. She's like, "Yeah, then how dare? How dare?" <laughs> I like this idea. All right. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hmm. Well, he is. He's a star. We know that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was going to say, besides him being a star, he is is from New York. I know that, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, He grew up in New York. So he would have been, you know, auditioning and in that. I feel like. No, I'm, I'm going to go Sopranos for Lin-Manuel, just because it seems so outside of his, such a musical kind of guy, but I'm going to go no, Sopranos. Sopranos. Wow. He played a, he played a bellman. 
<laughs> you know, that iconic Bellman role. Yeah, the, the rapping Bellman. Right. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. He must want to write a Sopranos musical so badly. He must be talking all the time to uh what's his name david he has just yeah scraps of lyrics no his, his that's his in sync musical he's written it and only he has seen it right 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 yeah just, yeah 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 but he wants to play tony and it's probably oh. <laughs> yeah yeah maybe he shared it with one friend maybe maybe his wife has seen it and she's like this is just for home honey <laughs> <laughs> there's just a song called christopher <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds fun. Lynn, show us your show us your work. All right, Tim Daly. Tim Daly. I feel like he he just pops up in so many things that like that's not Tim Daly's peak for sure, like the, the time of Sopranos, but um I feel like he he maybe played like an FBI agent or something like that. Like he has he has that kind of vibe, right? Completely. So I'm going to I'm going to say Sopranos. Sopranos. He actually played Christopher's screenwriting friend. Oh, but right. You're right. It was someone not of the world. He was outside. God, I love uh, that. I love that storyline, by the way. Yes, it's very funny. <laughs> Him trying so to get good. into movies. All right. Chandra Wilson, who your girlfriend may know is Bailey from Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. And shout yes. out to Tim Daly, who was on private practice. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, Chandra Wilson. Again, I'm trying to figure out like what role would she have played. I mean, it, maybe it's like a Lin Manuel thing where it's like, yeah, he was the bellman, and then she, she was the maitre d. She was the, <laughs> the same hotel. We need to know what's going on in this quirky hotel. <laughs> yeah. Remember that bottle episode where everything takes place in a hotel? It was supposed to be a backdoor pilot for a funny hotel sitcom. It never went anywhere. <laughs> the, the Sopranos hotel sitcom. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go Sopranos with Chandra Wilson as a, yeah, some sort of like really tiny role in the show. Sopranos. She played Jan- Janice's sort of enemy frenemy in anger management. Oh, okay. So Janice was sent to anger management and Chandra's there. I love that. Good role for her. Yeah. I'd say they sent that film straight to Grey's Anatomy and she got booked as Bailey. Booked off that role? Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been, that would have been just... Maybe, I mean, depending on when that episode was, that's probably like a, just a little bit before. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. probably true because Chandra Wilson was a Broadway actress. And so it makes sense she would book New York TV and then it would propel her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that kind of role, I mean, they, they get in arguments and stuff. So it's pretty Bailey-ish. Yeah. Um, okay. Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like no. I mean... I feel like this would have been like slightly before Rihanna like got big. Yeah, when did Ponda Replay come out? Like I feel like that was it's like 05, yeah. 06, yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to go Sopranos for Rihanna. Yeah, Sopranos. Just thought it was a fun idea. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it maybe it would have been fun if it's like um Rihanna's play, like NYU has like some sort of like college concert yeah. or whatever. It's like yeah. Rihanna's Meadow. playing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Meadow is like into Rihanna, and like this is like, oh, who is she? It's like, oh, she's like, you wouldn't know her, but kind of like cool cred, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ted Danson. <laughs> first of all, first first ballot, like just co- TV comedy sitcom Hall of Famer uh, Ted Danson. Mm-hmm. Although I don't. <laughs> so see he could have been in the he could have been in the hotel spinoff they were trying yeah. to do. <laughs> At the Jersey Shore. Hotel Soprano. He should, yeah, he should be the guy. He should be the hotel manager. He's well, both in the mob, but like he's an informant also. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I have to go no Sopranos because 
I feel like it would would this have been when Becker was high flying? Um, <laughs> I mean, it definitely would have been during Curb. Not that that would conflict with Sopranos. I'm going to go Sopranos <laughs> for Dead Correct, Dancing. Sopranos. Uh, but could be fun. I think there's a lot of ways they could have used him, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, Becker was going off the air when Sopranos was really getting off the ground. So they really could have used. I him. mean, again, Hotel Soprano, Ted Danson, Chandra Wilson, <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda, mm-hmm. one of the forgotten pilots because it didn't exist. And yeah. finally, Perez Hilton. Huh. Okay, Perez uh. Hilton, not Paris Hilton. Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like he would have aspired to be an actor around that time. He would have been maybe pretty young at that point. I don't know. I don't know how old he is, but, um, and I feel like this would have been before his blog blew up. Um, but I, I don't think he would have like, no. So I'm going to say no. Sopranos for Perez Hilton. Sopranos. Wow. He played a jewelry benefit organizer that got robbed by Christopher. Wow. That is, I didn't realize he had, he was like, I get that he w- was pursuing acting um, or, you know, was in that world. But I also, I- I'm very surprised that he has been around for that long. Yeah, he has. He really has. It's, yeah. It's terrifying. He also did, he did like undergrad at NYU. He was like an NYU acting student. That's I think. right. And I mm-hmm. think he was like auditioning and doing stuff while he was in school, getting the blog off the ground. Well, Congrats to Michael B. Jordan, Lady Gaga, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Tim Daly, Chandra Wilson, and Perez Hilton for booking The Sopranos. You did it. And congratulations to Achilles for playing with us today. Excellent work. Excellent Really, really nice. Thank you so much. Yeah, we really love to see. We love to see the work. Uh, You know, I'm feeling overcome with joy, and I think we need to... I want to send some gift baskets to these folks to congratulate them on these bookings. So Yeah, it's huge. They haven't done anything since. They haven't done anything since. So we're going to, really quickly, we're going to send some uh, edible arrangements to Lady Gaga, and we'll be right back. (laughs) You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. 
Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. All right, we're back. Um, Oddly enough, uh, Lady Gaga's manager said to please stop calling. Um, (laughs) Apparently, the baskets I sent after Star is Born were not well received. (laughs) That's weird. Because they were just full of pictures of yourself dressed up Mm -hmm. as her. Yeah. I don't know why she didn't like it. That's weird. That's weird. Um, Gaga, I know you listen. So if we could straighten this out, that'd be really kind. So just slide yeah. into the DMs. I'm sure it was fun for her to hear her name in that game and mm-hmm. be like, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I played AJ's friend. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so Gaga, just tell your team to cool their jets. We know we're friends. So mm-hmm. anyways, Caitlin, I think you've got a thesis to present today. I do. You know, I was thinking about uh, crime movies mm-hmm. and there's sort of a funny trend I noticed and What's weird is like when you're living a certain artistic trend, you don't always notice that it's happening. Like, you know, I don't remember in the late 90s being like, wow, everyone's dressed like a snowboarder. But you look back Mm. and you're like, absolutely, that was true. Yeah. So something that I was thinking about that is the recent past, and I, I don't actually think that we've... I don't know if we've ever mentioned this person's name on the podcast, and I do apologize to everyone for it. But in the recent past of the Trump era, I think one of the artistic innovations or trends that will define the Trump era, not because of him, but in spite of him, is the female crime movie. Mm. You look at these movies, we've got Hustlers in 2019, Widows Mm -hmm. in 2018, Ocean's 8 in 2018, Can You Ever Forgive Me in 2018, A Simple Favor in 2018, and I would even slightly half include girls trip which isn't a criminal movie but is revenge mischief and is directly in the shadow of set it off which is very much a women's crime movie i mean they make Mm -hmm. direct reference to this film because of two of the stars being yeah and i think this is really interesting like i don't know exactly why all of these movies were greenlit or why people were inspired to make them at that time i mean if they came out in 2018 someone probably wrote them before 2016 but it's interesting that they got the funding. They got the green light. The stars were interested. I mean, we're talking big stars leading these movies. J-Lo, Viola Davis, Sandra Bullock, Melissa McCarthy, Blake Lively. <laughs> probably the biggest one. Probably the biggest one. Annie Hathaway. Mm-hmm. Our good old we friend got Annie. Annie. Yeah. We got Annie involved. We got the Constance Wu. We've got uh, <laughs> Blake Lively. <laughs> Half of the famous Lively sisters. <laughs> so I feel like there's something to this because it's it's this trend. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes sense because one of the initial, of, of the many different panics that came out of Trump's election was particularly from women and feeling mm-hmm. directly unsafe, like from him directly unsafe, as well as any potential legislative things or a change in culture that might lead to make us feel more and more unsafe. So I think there's something to seeing women take charge of the law and take charge of their bodies. And they're all doing it together. Pretty Mm. much all of these are ensemble films, except for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Which is decidedly not an ensemble film. No, no. There's like three actors that speak. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they're all, I would say Widows is the most serious Mm -hmm. because in the other ones, you see women having fun doing these crimes. Sure. Uh, Widows, though, 
they are very righteous because their husbands have been killed and in some cases their children. So they are like with a purpose. And in all of these, you're on their side. Like whether it's hustlers with, you know, uh, J-Lo giving a speech about how the system is rigged so it is okay to steal from these Wall Street guys. One of two scenes in Hustlers that famously got uh, applause from the Jersey City audience where Lauren and I <laughs> saw it. Mm-hmm. People clapped at that point. And then also when J-Lo got Constance Wu a fur coat. You know, I, it's also interesting that you point out we saw Hustlers at that cinema. That is also consequently, I believe, where I saw Widows and definitely where I saw the vigilante Jennifer Garner film Peppermint. You know what? I didn't even think of Peppermint for this. I didn't see it. It is also where I saw Widows by myself. I liked <laughs> if you were in that theater. That's weird. Um, uh, I didn't even think of Peppermint. Mm-hmm. Which is not a it's uh, it, it is, doesn't quite fit with this, but and it's horrifically uh, racist. I think. yes, <laughs> yes, it's really oh, yeah. bad. That, that was what I, I heard. That was is not good. Um, it feels yep. like one of those movies that you shot so out of sequence, nobody actually knew what they were making, <laughs> and then right. they probably watched it and was like, "Oh, we made this." Is how it felt watching it. But you know what? I'm going to take it as further proof of my thesis because mm-hmm. you need examples of like where it went wrong yes. to show that it is a trend, like. It's it's not just these are good movies that do this. There's just movies coming out on this theme of like women going against the system, women avenging wrongs against them, be them direct or just larger societal. I think there there is something true about that. Like, you know how the press is supposed to be like the, the fifth estate or whatever. How many estates mm-hmm. are there? Are there four and then the press is the fifth? There's <laughs> over 12. Yeah, at least 12. <laughs> it's like Zodiac signs. There's at least 12. Um, yeah, there's the Virgo. <laughs> there's the Virgo state. There's, there's the, the people Leo. that watch true crime. <laughs> well, and there's people. Like the- yeah. <laughs> so you have like, you have like, you know, like uh, institutions of power, right? And then you have like the fifth estate that is supposed to like be a like a check on those institutions of power. But then you have this other thing where it's like culture is like another check on like both yeah. of those elements. And yeah. this is what this is, where it's like those two things are so one powerful, but also kind of like screwed up in the four years during uh, Trump. And then, you know, we're, we're still kind of living in it now that yeah. like culture has to kind of like correct the the yeah. shittiness of those two things. And I think that's where you're you're getting that, you know, all these right. movies coming out at the same time. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Oceans 8 is, of course, part of the Oceans mm-hmm. brand, but it's the first one with all women. Um, and, and interestingly, I think all of these, except for A Simple Favor, have leads that are around 50 years old. Mm. So this is like people really making a decision because I was to do these crimes because I was thinking also around 2000 you had Jawbreaker, Sugar and Spice, Heartbreakers which has Sigourney Weaver but the the main actors there tend to be younger and it was almost like we got into crime because of kooky things that happened. Um, not that those aren't smart movies or good movies but it's just a different type of thing. Uh, this just seems so specific. Yeah, because you're right because also in 2019 The Kitchen which had Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, and Elizabeth Moss came out, which was, it's kind of like a vibe of Widows, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and I thought it was interesting. I'm not like huge into the Oscars, but they do show us trends. Mm-hmm. And of all of these movies, only Melissa McCarthy was nominated for Best Actress for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Despite very big pushes for J-Lo, for Hustlers, mm-hmm. and Tiffany Haddish for Girls Trip. And they didn't get them. And I think it's interesting because so many actors, male actors, have been nominated one for crime movies. Mm-hmm. and you don't, it, we just didn't see that happen for women. And I, I don't know what that means totally, except I looked back and Thelma and Louise, both Thelma and Louise, uh, Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis were nominated in the same year, which was interesting. Like when it, mm-hmm. when it felt like a novelty or a new thing, it was like more respected or maybe because they are white women and a lot of these movies that I discussed are led by women of color. I, I don't know. It might also be because, like, that's, you know, kind of a two-hander, too. And right. then, like, a lot of these movies that you've ensemble. talked about are, like, yeah, like, huge ensemble casts where it's, right. like, uh, yeah, like, one person can't really shine in it. I mean, you know, you have, like, really great perform- performances in each movie, but it's, like, oh, you're doing, like, you know, one-fourth of the work, whereas, yeah, Gina Davis and, and Susan Sarandon, you could argue, like, are doing you're half right. of the and- work. Totally. And that's why, you know, can you ever forgive me? We have Melissa McCarthy with a nomination. It's interesting, though. That is that's, I think, an excellent point. But I think it's funny because, yeah, some of the like uh, Dog Day Afternoon, you know, we have Al Pacino. Mm. But he's singularly the male lead. Right. But in a women's crime movie where the women are more collaborative, they inherently like can't shine as much in the world of getting an individualized award nomination that's just interesting like it's it's kind of just set up that way yeah Yeah. there's also that thing of like in the oscars where you know like hannibal lecter again another lovable (laughs) criminal uh hannibal lecter Mm -hmm. and then you know somebody like judy dench getting nominated for Mm -hmm. elizabeth and like they were basically on screen i think for less than 10 minutes each right right? (laughs) where like you can have you can have great performances where like the the actors are not really in the movie that much but they just like they just steal their scenes so much that it's like oh my god yeah like you're you're leaping off the screen um maybe that's coming though maybe i wonder if like there's a movie where it is essentially like an ensemble thing but there's that one person who kind of rises above and and gets that nomination i'd love to see it i I those are always such fun parts though like it, it is i mean oh yeah I'm not like a Oscars worshiper because we can all like point to movies we hate that won and stuff, but it's they it does signal trends. I mean, I guess Charlize Theron won one for Monster, right? For playing a serial killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> there's a door for there's a path forward, ladies. And lady criminals, when if you're out there, <laughs> know that we will represent you well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so did you guys see these movies? Did you like them? What what do you want to see this trend continue or is it like a little done at this point? I have seen every single one of these movies and enjoyed all but one. Ooh. Hmm. Interesting. I, I feel like, yeah, I I think it should it should be a trend that continues. I do want kind of feel it like a twist on it. Like it's something that feels mm. like edgy and fun. Like I think I would put like um a movie that came out recently like a promising young woman might be like in this vein not necessarily like mm-hmm. an ensemble piece but um something that is like in 
the same kind of world as these uh, movies. Like definitely a little bit more serious, but there are a lot of funny parts in in it. And that I would definitely categorize as something that is like very, very like edgy and provocative and not what you expect um, when you're watching the movie. Yeah. You know what I just thought of though? Oscars love when people play real people, a la Mm -hmm. Charlize or Al Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon. And, Maybe we just don't have enough women criminals, so that's that's on us, the women well, of the world. Well, <laughs> something that I so any listeners of the show that also listen to our sister show Scam Wow on the More Banana Network, you may have already heard me say this on their show, but there is this criminal uh, from like way, 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 way back in the day. Like I, th- I think she was reigning back in like like a hundred years ago. But there is this woman called Big Bertha Hyman who was called the Confidence Queen, and I desperately want her biopic, and it is my dream role. So I would like to self nominate to play Big Bertha uh, in the film The Confidence Queen, which I would love to get nominated, but not win the Oscar for. That is your dream <laughs> to <laughs> be nominated and not win. Yeah, it's an honor just to be nominated. Yeah, I think I would be really gracious when the camera was on me and I lost and I was like, no, she deserved to win. Like, I think that moment I would What shine. a funny acceptance speech when you say it was my dream to be nominated and not have to come up here. <laughs> Somebody needs to do that. My seat was so comfortable. Oh, my God. Glenn Close looks so comfortable right now. Honestly, walking upstairs, not my best activity. Well, I got to go talk to the press. I want to text my friends. Yeah. Uh, but Big Bertha <laughs> right. would be a great subject for a crime a crime movie. I mean, I think that's where we got to end. Lauren, hashtag Lauren Brickman for Big Bertha. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, when we decided to do Criminals We Root For, my brain immediately went to celebrity stoners. So, Achilles, I came up with a little game called Puff Puff Past. And I'm going to give you some uh, information regarding a celebrity drug bust. And I'm going to ask you to guess what celebrity Mm. this drug bust centered around. So, in 1999, the police found this Hollywood darling dancing naked at his home after a neighbor filed a noise complaint. The police claimed that after searching his house, they found illegal substances. However, the charges were eventually dropped, but this Hollywood heartthrob pled guilty to the noise offense and paid a $50 fine. Okay, a lot of keywords there. (laughs) So, 1999, Hollywood Mm -hmm. heartthrob, music... The name I'm gravitating to is Matthew McConaughey. Nailed it! Yes! Wow. (laughs) Because I remember there was a story about him like playing the bongos or something like that. And he was so high. Like he was just playing bongos loudly and he got got, got the police called on him. Yes. Um, Yes, he did. I mean, that's you're hitting those bongos hard. Mm -hmm. The sound of a bongo doesn't carry that far. It's not a steel drum. Also, you must be like not only just hitting the bongos, you're screaming, you're singing, you're like making yeah, other yeah. noise besides. Yeah, the you're bongos. probably right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, amazing. Well, all right. You're already one for one. Let's see if you can keep this streak right. going. So, according to High Times, this jazz superstar toked while tooting his horn. One night while smoking with his drummer, the police busted the two musicians and, unable to overcome their euphoria, they spent the night giggling in the penitentiary. Okay. Um his horn. I'm trying to trying to go back through my Rolodex of jazz musician trivia. I guess Miles Davis. I mean, that's like the most famous like jazz musician I can think of. Um and I feel like they were 
all on drugs. <laughs> so that's that's my answer is Miles Davis. That is a that's a great answer. And this. Miles Davis is probably the only person that comes close to being as iconic as this person. And it was Louis Armstrong. Oh, OK. And I don't know why, but I'm utterly delighted by the idea that Louis Armstrong <laughs> was just giggling the night away. Just <laughs> laughed all night. I love it. Uh, okay, we got a couple more for you. So right now, we're, we're you're, you're even money. Let's see if we can redeem with this next one. So in 2010, this former gossip boy was charged <laughs> with drug possession after police found mar- a marijuana joint on his person during a body search. He was given a year's probation and carried out 80 hours of community service. Um, okay, so he's a gossip boy. Um, I'm trying to remember... <laughs> I'm trying to remember the names of the, right. the men. On, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you know, uh, of course, we know iconic, like, lively, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we know her well. We know, we her, know well. her, but she's not a, a gossip boy. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Um, no. I'm, I mean, the one name that I remember from Gossip Girl is Penn Badgley. Right. Is that a name from mm-hmm. that? Is, that a is a name. That is a name. That's, and that's it either, was attached to that show. That's either a name from. Yeah, that's either a name from gossip girl or like a prep school like the name of a prep school like both are uh, true both are true um uh, i don't think it's him but that since that's the only name i remember from uh gossip girl that's the the name i'm gonna go with all right so close that is a Mm. name he was on the show but this is actually the now star of amazon's the boys chase crawford ah the other guy (laughs) Yeah, the other guy. And it was a pretty big deal at the time because uh, for the CW to have one of its stars getting so busted. Dumb. It's so dumb. You can't, you can't tell teens to smoke drugs. Mm-mm, mm-mm. can't be a bad example. Also, they do, they do do drugs on the show. It's mm-hmm. funny that like the cast is like, not the cast, though. Yeah, it was Her- a very <laughs> weird moment. I remember the coverage of him getting busted was absolutely bizarre. And it was... Even funnier because his character was a full-blown stoner on the show. So it was like, yeah, whatever. Anyways. All right. This next one. I I, I know you're going to nail this one. So this absolute icon was arrested for marijuana possession in 1998, 2001, 2006, 2007, and again in January 23. And according to High Times, this living legend went to school, went to high school with Cameron Diaz and was her weed dealer. <laughs> What was that last year you said, Brickman? 2013. Okay. So I'm guessing. I mean, the, to be like L.A. weed, like the first name I think of is Snoop Dogg. <laughs> like, and that is correct. Okay. That's, ama- that's an amazing connection that they, it's like, of course. <laughs> I was obsessed. I was like, High Times did the, I was reading these articles on High Times and they were making all of these fascinating connections between people. And I was like, I love this. That's amazing. I have one final uh, celebrity stoner to guess, and this is from celebstoner.com. Okay, oh, then. Okay. We know this is correct. This is the sources. Yeah. Okay. So this singer and advocate slash user of medical marijuana was popped for pot and cannabis oil on her way back into the U.S. from Canada on her tour bus in August of 2017. This superstar pled guilty and paid a $1,000 fine several months later. Talking about the incident in uh, an interview, she said, it's an international border. I should have known better. But I hope this can move the issue forward and shed some light on how many people use cannabis as medicine. Hmm. Who is the celebrity stoner? Celebrity stoner. I mean, a big thing I'm getting is just she's Canadian. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love the reframe of let this shed some light. <laughs> I'm I'm falling on on two names. Okay. One is Alanis Morissette, and then mm. second is Avril Lavigne. <laughs> okay. What 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 brought you to these names? Um, just that they're Canadian musicians uh, who mm-hmm. would great potentially be on tour. Um. Although is Avril Lavigne still on tour 2017? <laughs> I, I will thing. I will say this. This is not a Canadian. They were oh. just in Canada. Oh, I see. Okay. They feel so, Canadian though. They do feel Canadian, but I will give you the hint that they are not actually Canadian. They feel Canadian. They were they were going on tour. Mm-hmm. And then they're an activist too, right? Is that what you mm-hmm. said? Yeah. Like a pro cannabis activist. Mm-hmm. Sting. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love it. I love it. You love to see it. Um, no, it's actually Melissa Etheridge. Oh. <laughs> and I you just, said she. She. I just really, I love this energy. I love the reframing she did in the interviews. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. And having seen her in concert when in seventh grade when she came to Oklahoma City to play Summerfest, big fan. Big fan. I do. I am having flashbacks from her behind the music where I feel like she did this for everything that ever happened in her life, where it was an instant reframe of mm-hmm. like, but actually I knew that was a mistake and I hope I can shed light. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with her. And uh, well, congratulations, Achilles. You knocked it out of the park with Matthew McConaughey and with Snoop Dogg, getting very close to Louis Armstrong with Miles Davis and Penn Bagley with Chase Crawford. So I think I think you're a real winner today. I, Thank pretty you much so today. much. And you know what? The real winner, Matthew McConaughey, for only having to pay a $50 fine. <laughs> Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, you know, maybe maybe see if we can all get called by the cops ourselves. We'll be right back. And we're back. Um, we tried to get in trouble. We tried to become criminals. It didn't work yet, but I the night is young. We're just too good. Oh, yeah. 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 They laughed. They actually laughed at us. <laughs> it was a little embarrassing. But I think after I present my thesis, there will be a warrant for me. Oh, I think usually, this is yeah. Gonna, this is going to be the thing that cuts us over. So <sighs> when Caitlin texted me to say, oh, I think this would be a fun topic. I immediately thought of a very specific film. And before I name that film, uh, I'm just going to play the trailer of the movie that immediately came to mind when Caitlin said, criminals you root for. So I'm going to play this without any any context and just just to to get us all on the same page. I don't know how you meet guys. But I met Vincent when he stole my car while I was in the middle of kidnapping myself. Now I guess we're fugitives or something. And to tell you the truth, it's kind of cool to be wanted. Excess baggage. Rated PG-13. So, um, excess 
baggage if you don't mm-hmm. remember if that didn't like immediately <laughs> um bring back visceral memories from 1997 uh excess baggage was a it is labeled when i was looking it up as a crime romance about uh alicia silverstone is a rich privileged girl with daddy issues who's trying to get her dad's attention by staging her own kidnapping now benicio del toro who plays vincent is a a car thief who consequently works with harry connor jr that's his like partner in crime and benicio del toro accidentally steals a car that Alicia Silverstone has put herself in the trunk of because she's trying to stage her own kidnapping. So he accidentally kidnaps her. It becomes a, a Stockholm Syndrome situation mm-hmm. where they fall in love with each other. They help each other out. Um, it's bizarre. But I remember very distinctly in ni- when this movie came out, rooting for their love and rooting for Vincent's, the character Vincent and like wanting the best for him. and. As I was starting to unpack my memories of this film and prepare for today's episode, it reminded me of another film. And again, oh, no. I'm just going to share this trailer and then we're going to need to talk about uh, <laughs> we're going to need to talk about it. All right. So here's another trailer from another film. Your daughter here and I'm going to send her back in pieces unless... I'm sorry, madam. No, I must have dealt the wrong number. How much are you asking for? Half a million. Half a million dollars is not a lot of money for a woman like me. I didn't mean it as a reflection of you as an individual. 20th Century Fox presents Ewan McGregor, Cameron Diaz. You're the worst kidnapper I've ever met. Well, I'm trying to do my best here under really difficult circumstances. Lifeless Ordinary. Me. Me. The Kidnapper. Rated R. Yeah, I can hold. October 24th, only in theaters. So... That is the trailer of a film called A Life Less Ordinary, which starred Cameron Diaz as a hot, rich, young, affluent, privileged woman with daddy issues trying to get her dad's attention. And Ewan McGregor as a down and out, recently fired, kind of schlubby, bumbling fool who... Is fine, who loses his job at Cameron Diaz's father's company and he walks in to rob her dad and once again accidentally ends up taking her hostage and kidnapping her. So I hadn't realized these two films both came out in 1997. These two movies came out in the exact same year where you have very, very, very similar sort of... um protagonist characters with similar struggles very much both uh doing the whole bonnie and clyde kind of thing but it's like accidental right like it's like the bumbling kidnapper trope and i guess my first question i have several questions but my first question is what was going on in 1997 (laughs) do either of you remember these films do you have any like connection to these movies i remember seeing the trailers for both of these movies i didn't see them i didn't see the movies mm-hmm. um my, my comment on like both trailers is like they're the most 1997 trailers <laughs> like especially <laughs> the especially the excess baggage one it's like spice oh. girls is playing uh there's mm-hmm. narration alicia silverstone Benicio del toro you know and then yeah like the, <laughs> the other one uh is like oh yeah like these are huge stars in like in, in 1997 right like uh yeah. cameron diaz yeah. and 
And I saw like Danny Boyle directed the second one. Well, yeah, which is what's, well, one of the things that I didn't know until I was reading up on the film. So A Life Less Ordinary kind of changed the career trajectories for both Ewan McGregor and Danny Boyle because they had had the hits of like transponding together. And I think they had done like one or two other films. And Life Less Ordinary was the first film that the two of them did together that flopped. It was a, it was a total theatrical flop. And so Danny Boyle ended up recasting um the role uh, i think in the beach he gave it to leonardo dicaprio instead of Ewan oh, mcgregor wow. so a life less ordinary started this huge feud that only in recent years have danny boyle and ewan mcgregor been able to talk to each other and it's all wow. because of this movie <laughs> i have two important thoughts and this is a, okay. this is a critically important thesis number one in the second trailer you showed us it's yes. clear that Dan Hedaya is in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to assume he plays Cameron Diaz's father. I don't know that. I'm going to strongly assume that. And he played, of course, Alicia Silverstone's father in, in Clueless, Clueless. That's right. Which mm-hmm. is a funny connection. I don't know. Maybe he played something else. There is a third of these films from 1994. <gasps> what is it? It's called The Chase, and it stars Christy Swanson and Charlie Sheen. <gasps> I remember that seeing the trailer for that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my and gosh. That one is he is like accused of wrongfully accused. And while he's escaping, he kidnaps the daughter of a millionaire. <gasps> and they go on like an adventure together and fall in love. It's one of those weird trailers. I don't think I ever saw the movie, but I can mm-hmm. remember one joke where he's like trying to hold up a convenience store or something. Yeah. And she has to kick him a gun and she doesn't do a good job kicking. And he's like, nice work, Pele. And I think I think I remember because I didn't know I didn't get it. So yeah. I had to like ask my brother what it meant. So it somehow it's fused in my brain. Well, yeah, these two movies like Excess Baggage and A Lifeless Ordinary are like imprinted on me. And like A Lifeless Ordinary is for most of my like adolescence if you had asked me what my favorite movie was i would have either said dead poet society or probably a life less ordinary <laughs> like for a really really long time it was my favorite and i at, mostly because i was rooting for this i i was rooting for these like underdog criminals right like i yeah. loved the conceit of like the bumbling criminal and i was always like love them but i also loved the idea of these women that were in control of their own danger. Like, but like, yeah, like, like I was going back and like watching clips. I was trying to watch the whole film, but they were not easy to find. So I was watching clips and I was like, Oh, I think that's kind of part of it is that like, there's this sense of like safe danger because Mm -hmm. the person who's kidnapped you, you're actually controlling. I don't know. Yeah. There's something very fun about that. There's also, it's not, as close as the other three films, but career opportunities. Is that what it's called? With Jen, uh, is my crazy Jennifer Connelly and well, it's funny. You should bring up these other movies because as I went down a rabbit hole, trying to like do some research, I AV club has an article from, uh, 2011, I think. So who knows how many more can be added to this list since then. But it, as of the, printing of this article there were 22 films where women fell in love with their ca- kidnappers and they called it stockholm swooning oh goodness <laughs> right well career opportunities is from 1991 and it's it's not 
the man isn't a criminal in that, but mm-hmm. he is known as the town liar. And mm. they get stuck in a target together. And then it's clear she has a bunch of money from her dad and can like help them get out of the situation. It's it's weird how similar that is. It's bizarre. Like there were so as I was reading down this list of 22 films, I was like, oh my God. What I had I had never really thought of the kidnap relationship being a subgenre. <laughs> film Mm. and i was curious uh if either of you have any thoughts about this genre this like accidental bonnie and clyde turn lovers kind of crime induced romance i think there's i've kind of two thoughts about it one is like that they both came out in in 1997 feels Mm -hmm. like it's that kind of like Deep Impact, uh, you know, uh, Armageddon. Yeah, yeah. Event um, Horizon. And, yeah. and what's the better version of Ants? Uh, a Bug's Life. Ants oh, yeah, are Bug's yeah. Life. Like, so they, were, like they, they both came out in the same year. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that like 1997 was like the year for, yeah. for these movies. And then the other thing is, I wonder if there's something about like the male writer or director who are like mm-hmm. are coming up with these stories. There's something about like... You know, like, I want to be a cool, like, uh, criminal or, like, I want to be, if I'm going to be funny, mm. it might be funny to be, like, a, a bumbling criminal to be with this, like, hot, you know, girl who, you know, uh, like, she's really the one in, in control or whatever. It's this thing of almost this, dare I say, fantasy. Folks, he of, said it. Yeah. <laughs> of, like, committing a crime, but, like, you're not really committing a crime because the other person, like, the woman is the one that's compelling you to, like, right. make it happen. Um, and then, but there's still this romance in it that feels like not motivated by the crime, but like feels organic to like the relationship that builds out from the crime, you know? So I think mm-hmm. there's something there. Cause I bet like yeah. most of these movies, if not all were like written by men or directed by oh, men. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. But what's funny is I think there's a female fantasy to it as well. And there it's like almost like I will show how smart and capable and I can take control. Now, it's going to happen at a random time. Like, I, I can't really, like, plan that. <laughs> but, you know, when I'm called upon, I'm going to, I'm going to really do, I'm going to, I'm going to nail it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my moment comes. <laughs> Which I think is yeah. very, I, I do think that's, like, a very female thing. It's like, as soon as I get around to that. Yeah. One of the things that I, I found fascinating when I, like, revisited these was, like, I loved these movies. Like, these movies were movies that I loved that I talked about a lot. I think I own them both. But looking back on it, these were both huge flops. Like, both of them epically failed. And both of them were, like, set up to be darlings because, like, it was Danny mm-hmm. Boyle and Ewan McGregor were, like, coming off of transplanting. They had a lot of heat. And this was, uh, Excess Baggage was Alicia Silverstone's follow-up to Clueless. Like, wow. this is what she did. And it was the first film that she actually produced. So, like, wow. both of these films had, like, a ton of, like, heat behind them and, like, a lot of, like, it, seemingly a lot of studio support, but then got totally panned, did really badly. Um, like, a lot of the Excess Baggage like reviews call it like flat <laughs> and like unfunny and all this stuff. I was thinking about it. And I was like, well, I was like 10 or 11 probably when I saw them for the first time. So like maybe that's why I liked them more, but then that's even weirder. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, and I'm so mad that I couldn't find, like, I have to find the full films to rewatch them. But I was like, I remember them being, like, so quirky, so funny, so, like, swoon-worthy. But, like, all of the reviews I can find are like, what was this hot piece of garbage? 
once. Well, I mean, you do need to rewatch them because you never know. Things can yeah. be ahead of their time. I'm not saying necessarily. I doubt both of them were. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. going to guess maybe at least one is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if I've seen them or not. Like they are so I've seen those trailers a million times. It's so yeah. in my era of going to Blockbuster constantly. So like I could have watched them, but they definitely didn't become rewatch favorites. What's funny is with Alicia Silverstone is I feel like she was an early victim of almost the media landscape like being so accessible mm. because of home video. Because if you remember, she was in that movie, The Crush, before Clueless. Yes. But then Clueless came out, and then we were all like, oh, look, that girl's already in a new movie. It's called The Crush. I mean, it came out before. We didn't know. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were like, great. Now we're watching that. <laughs> but she was like, yeah. don't watch The Crush, watch Excess Package. But we were all too busy watching The Crush for the 10th time. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. It's also fascinating. Like, you're right, Achilles, too. You reminded me that, like, this was such a, like, a 90s, early 2000s thing for studios to, like, sniff out that another studio was doing something and being like, well, we have to have our version of that. Yeah. And I, I feel mean, like that's a trend that's kind of died out. Like, I don't know that that really happens anymore, per se. Does it? I, I feel like it happens way less now just because, like, yeah, studios would just kill it if it's like, oh, they got that person attached to it. No, we're not competing with that. Or Yeah. Or, like, there's so much content slash stuff going on straight to like Netflix or Hulu mm-hmm. or something where it's it's like things are you know a lot of things are there are fewer like movies being released but there's a lot more stuff being made you know yeah. um yeah. so the fact that there are fewer movies being released means that like it's harder to have two movies of the same premise like come out you know in the same year yeah. so I feel like yeah it happens probably less but like this for this particular like, it is a fun premise, this idea of, like, mm-hmm. criminal falls mm-hmm. in love with, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Like, it's a totally fun premise. And, and I bet we'll see way more versions of it in the future. Well, you've sort of perfectly opened the door to the next question I was going to ask. I was like, so in 2021, what's the hot, fresh take? How do you make a story about a woman being kidnapped uh, still feel swoon-worthy? I mean, I think it, the f- fun of it to me would be to reverse the roles. So, like, yeah. have the woman kidnap mm-hmm. the the guy yeah. and, like, he has a rich family, you know? Like, that yeah, would be right. the fun twist to it to me. Or same-sex couple, I think. Oh, yeah, I that think, too. Yeah. yeah, I think either one. But I don't think you see guy kidnaps girl. No, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I'm the only one that would still watch that. And that's because <laughs> I'm deeply unwell. Because um, I watched these movies when I was 10. But... Mm. Who do you think would be who do you think could make this blockbuster happen? Who's going to be box office gold to be like, you know what? Excess baggage. I see what you were trying and we're going to fix it <laughs> and make it work. I feel like it would be it should be like um, Rebel Wilson kidnaps like any dude from uh, Riverdale. <laughs> 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 like something like that. They don't even consistently have the same Riverdale cast member in different scenes. It's just based on their availability. Yeah, rotating. It's like, yeah, you're hot. Just like, whatever. Yeah. No one notices. Sometimes it's one of the girls from Riverdale. Like, no one. It doesn't matter. Greenlit. I love it. I want to see it. Or or it could be like the guy from Bridgerton, a reggae. um, Oh, uh, yeah. I forget his last name. But like, that would be good, too. But. Yes. Yeah, I think that that could be fun. I, I would be really interested to hear what the casting would be for like the, the same sex um, version of this. Right. Because that would be really fun, too. Yeah. Who 
would who would pull off the same right. sex one? Right. I mean, I think what one part of that da- dynamic is like bumbling criminal and then the other half mm-hmm. is like kind of like very charismatic um in control yeah. like hot person <laughs> yeah like who's like a like a young sort of like prime to be maybe like an action could lead an action film kind of energy right you know and this is after this is probably because of that christmas movie she was in on hulu but like i could see Aubrey Plaza as the accidental kidnapper, like the bumbling woman who so accidentally. She's the criminal. She's the criminal who accidentally kidnaps, but I don't know like what badass she accidentally kidnaps. I mean, let's let's keep it in the UCB family and Nicole Byer. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, <laughs> but don't tell Nicole that we're shooting a movie. Yeah, <laughs> just tell her. Show up. The character is just Nicole Byer. <laughs> And she just thinks, and just, and just think, let her think she's getting kidnapped. She just thinks Aubrey Plaza's kidnapping her. It's fine. I mean, we'll have to tell her for ADR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But get eventually, real, she'll get sag, the genuine sag rules, fear. You have to, yeah, with sag rules, you have to tell the actor that they're in a movie. <laughs> oh, tell her that her and Aubrey have been uh, cast in like a travel show, and then she thinks Aubrey just goes rogue. <laughs> Aubrey and Nicole do America. Right. Do you have to tell people what they're shooting? Hmm. <laughs> I don't think so. I think uh, Sasha Baron Cohen has proved that you don't have to tell them what they're shooting, just That's that they're true. shooting. You know what? We'll lobby Gabrielle Carteris, <laughs> who apparently ca- cares about lesbian plots from her. Oh, but on. speaking of Gabrielle's, Gabrielle Union is the badass one who gets kidnapped. <laughs> so the mind, it is funny that there's an actress named Gabrielle Union, but it is not the actress whose name is Gabrielle, who is president of SAG. <laughs> it never occurred to me what. It'd be what hilarious if Gabrielle is. Union was non-union. <laughs> like that'd be impossible, but. Yeah. Well, like the way Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino is not in the DGA. Right. Uh, it's like some weird quirk of his, and it's why he can't do television, basically. Oh, interesting. That's yeah. so bizarre. <laughs> it's some strange thing. I don't understand how it works, but. How has he or been why? Allowed? Yeah. <laughs> why he oh, wants like to. Like George Lucas, George Lucas, like, t- he, he's not in the Directors Guild either because they were like, you have to put the credits at the beginning of Star Wars. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. So they're like, you have to leave the union. So he's like, okay. <laughs> oh, maybe maybe it's something like that with Tarantino. Yeah. Well, Quentin, email us. Let us know why you're not in the union. We're curious. Again, we know you listen, so mm-hmm. just you know, follow with Lady up. Gaga and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have instead of a book club, they have a listen club, and it's Quentin Tarantino and Lady Gaga, right. and I'm assuming at this point Tracy Ellis Ross has joined because right. somebody must have warned her about how many times a week we bring her up because we mm-hmm. love her so much i don't know she's pretty she's pretty insulated it might be a while before she finds out i mean who's telling her ashley simpson ashley simpson doesn't listen to this show no ashley simpson absolutely refuses but but, but we know simpson. what we've done <laughs> just she's, she's she's on and off you know not as consistent not loyal but she's, she's not consistent how many kids is she i mean she she three, has three. to figure it out you know with her kid schedule yeah absolutely yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely. Um, wow. Well, Achilles, this was so much fun getting to talk criminals we root for with you. Uh, are there any criminals that you root for that didn't come up on this episode? Oh, God. Are there any criminals I root for? Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, uh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good. 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 Yeah. That was that a test. Was, that was a test. That was a trick question. You won't be getting canceled. No. Okay, good. Thank God. <laughs> Um, well, for stands that have fallen in stand with you, where can they follow you? Um, I am a, at a stamate, A-S-T-A-M-A-T-E, at uh, social media uh, of, your, of your choice. <laughs> um, I mean, I only have Twitter and Instagram, and I guess I have a Facebook, but I don't really, like, I don't ever look at it. I haven't looked at it in a while. Okay, um, so what so I'm don't friend me on is, Facebook, you know. <laughs> what I'm hearing is that there are some uh, available handles out there on the platforms that you have not grabbed. That's true. I'm very, okay. I'm very vulnerable. Is what I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is well, what I've said here. Um, yeah, they can follow me on there, and then yeah, hit job on Audible Originals is coming out April 22nd. So check Woo! that out. Just, just yeah. a couple weeks. Yeah, just a few weeks. All right. Well, Stan, you know you can find us at We Stand Social across all of the platforms. All of all them. Of them. Yeah, we even have a fancy newfangled Gmail account, so you can email us, y'all. Yeah. at gmail.com. Let us know what topics you want us to dive into. If there's a dream guest you want to hear on the show, we want to hear from y'all. Stan, yeah. Stan. And don't be afraid to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Don't be afraid at don't all. Don't be afraid. We know some of you have been scared, uh, but we're here to tell you there's nothing scary about it. And we'll shout you out. We'll read it on the show. It'll be such a fun time. All right, we'll catch you later, Stan Stans. Bye. Sarah Michelle Gallo, Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan. Now the Backstreet Boys are all grown up with their own reality. Cue the outrage. We are the pop culture professors. Pencil down now. Smart people, dumb topics forever. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My gran says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts.